Taiwan has reported zero new local COVID cases for the fifth day in a row. Starting Tuesday, the CECC will relax many pandemic rules concerning public life. Karaoke parlors, internet cafes and other leisure businesses will be allowed to reopen. At indoor events, there will be no longer be a limit of 80 people. Instead, capacity limits will be determined by the space available. Also starting on Tuesday, news anchors will be allowed to present without wearing a face mask, as long as a safe social distance is maintained. Today, we once again have zero new local cases. We have five imported cases and one death. Five days have passed with no local COVID cases, a sign that the epidemic is continuing to recede. The CECC on Monday announced a two-week extension of the Level 2 alert until October 18th, but it also eased restrictions on several fronts. Regulations for board game cafes and mahjong parlors will be relaxed. As for restaurants, dividers will no longer be required, and diners won't have to maintain 1.5 meters of social distance. Many businesses will be allowed to reopen, but face masks must be kept on at all times. At karaoke parlors and MTV audiovisual viewing centers, rooms must be kept empty for 30 minutes between sessions. Patrons will be allowed to drink water and non-alcoholic beverages. As for board game cafes and mahjong parlors, players are advised to wear gloves. Staff must maintain social distance when explaining the games to patrons. Food and drink can be served in non-gaming areas. Video game arcades can also reopen, but players will have to keep one to a machine. Operators must install security cameras and routinely check that patrons are following the rules. At arcades, eating and drinking anything but water is a no-go. At video game arcades and internet cafes, eating and drinking will not be allowed. Players are not allowed to eat or drink while playing at a machine. But if they need to drink water, they can do so by moving away from anyone next to them to maintain social distance. At convenience stores, hot foods like pick-and-mix Odin and tea eggs will no longer have to be served by a member of staff. Religious pilgrims are once again allowed to visit temples and hold banquets, as long as they all travel together by car. But religious processions and parades will remain forbidden. Occupancy limits at mountain lodges and national parks will be increased from one-third capacity to half. Limits on parking spaces will be raised from 50% capacity to 80%. For indoor events like exhibitions, the 80-person capacity limit will be lifted. Instead, the limit will be determined by available floor space. That's one person for every 2.25 square meters indoors and one person per square meter outdoors. With the epidemic abating, more businesses are reopening. Even so, health officials remind the public to mask up when heading out and to frequently wash their hands. Another shipment of Pfizer vaccines arrived in Taiwan Monday morning. This delivery contained about 270,000 doses. Also on Monday, waitlist registration opened up for the 11th round of vaccination. Let's hear from the CCC. The CCC has planned an 11th round of vaccination, which will administer second doses of AstraZeneca and first doses of Pfizer. Waitlist registration is now open and will close on October 6th at midday. People can book appointments starting at 10 in the morning on October 11th to midday on October 13th. 
In the 11th round of vaccination, two groups of people will be eligible to get a second dose of AstraZeneca. One group is those aged 18 to 55 who got their first AZ shot on or before July 22nd. The other group is those aged 56 and up who got their first jab on or before July 30th. In addition, first shots of Pfizer will be available to people between 12 and 22 years old, as well as those aged 47 and up. Anyone 18 years and older with designated health conditions will also be eligible. National Taiwan University Hospital has unveiled promising progress in its telemedicine project. As Taiwan's flagship hospital, NTU is flooded with patients and doesn't always have enough room for them all. Thanks to its telemedicine technology, it can transfer them out to local hospitals and then follow up on their care virtually. Since 2017, NTAU Hospital has transferred more than 2,700 patients to Taipei City's hospital system. So far, this telemedicine project has gotten good clinical outcomes and glowing patient reviews. The woman on the hospital bed has cellulitis, a deep infection that's caused painful swelling in her calves. She checked into NTU hospital for treatment, but was told she'd have to wait four days for a bed. Fortunately for her, the hospital has a partnership with the Taipei City Hospital System, and she was transferred to a vacant bed at its Zhongxing branch. I had to stay in the hospital and get antibiotic injections. But at NTU Hospital, I wouldn't have had a bed for four days. It was too long. Since I don't need surgery, they advised me to come to the Taipei City Hospital and rest here with an IV drip. We had discussions about the ultrasound with the medical teams on both sides. It was unanimously concluded that her cellulitis was not showing signs of worsening. With the advancement of information and communication technology, this kind of inter-hospital remote discussion is now possible. During the point-of-care ultrasound, doctors from both hospitals were able to examine the patient's condition and prescribe treatment. Since the start of the telemedicine partnership, more than 2,700 patients have been transferred from NTU Hospital's ER to the Taipei City Hospital System. The telemedicine technology even opens up the possibility of remote surgery. In Japan, there are a lot of small islands. They've previously used a 5G connection with 8K imaging to stream operations. They could even zoom in to see things even more clearly. The hospitals say that through telemedicine, they are able to offer better care for patients while making efficient use of medical resources. A traditional Chinese medicine formula called NRICM-101 has proven effective against mild and moderate cases of COVID-19. The formula was developed by Taiwan's National Research Institute of Chinese Medicine. It was tested this summer on more than 500 COVID patients at 15 hospitals. According to the early findings, this TCM formula was effective at reducing the symptoms in non-severe COVID cases. The de developers say it was especially effective against the beta and delta COVID strains. NRICM-101 contains 10 herbal ingredients, including fish mint and isotitis radix. The formula has authorization for emergency use in Taiwan. Its developers say they'll soon launch an updated formula that's effective against severe COVID cases. A chef in Holong Township, Miaoli, has set up a health food kitchen with support from many generous friends. Li Zhongyu aims to feed customers with hearty food that will support their health. And her vision has been nourished by many volunteers over the years who love to hang out in the kitchen.
These zongzi are made with high fiber rice, boiled, then fried with ginger and sesame oil for extra goodness and flavor. Dried turnip grown with reduced pesticides is then added. For diners following traditional Buddhist vegetarian diets, there's a total vegan option, bursting with turnip, peanuts, mushrooms, and taro. Chef Li Zhongyu lost her last job 10 years ago. Undaunted, she went back to school to learn a new skill, finding a new vocation as a health food chef. Our products are very stable too. We've gradually built up a brand of our dishes, which makes our customers cheer us on toward our next goal. Li banks on high-quality produce and skimps and saves on staff costs. In the early days, many of her friends came to help out in the kitchen as volunteers. Later, when the business was stable, she would pay wages. Not only did I get support from my friends, I also kept on bringing in more friends of friends of friends of friends to help. It's fun and really rewarding. Coming here, it's really innovative and different. I feel I learn a lot. These chiffon cakes are baked at 180 degrees Celsius, and the star ingredient is pumpkin. Fresh out of the oven, long cakes made with taro and sweet potato. It's a kitchen filled with friendship as well as sweet smells. Taiwan's foreign minister says that Taiwan is preparing for war with China. In an interview with Australian Broadcasting Corporation, Foreign Minister Joseph Wu asked like-minded nations like Australia to expand intelligence sharing and security cooperation with Taiwan. China is going to launch a war against Taiwan. We will fight to the end. And that is our commitment. Actually, what Minister Joseph Wu is explaining to Australia is that what he mainly wanted to do is show that the people of Taiwan have the will and the ability to defend themselves, unlike Afghanistan. Say that Australia's defense policy is armed by U.S. weapons, and it has the ability to provide support in the Taiwan Strait. In such a case, Taiwan's resolve to defend itself would, of course, make Australia more confident in Taiwan and more determined to provide support. During his interview with ABC, the foreign minister said he welcomed the establishment of a UK, US and Australia security pact in September. The defense deal called AUKUS will allow Australia to build nuclear-powered submarines using American technology. Japan's Liberal Democratic Party has elected a new president, Fumio Kishida. That makes him the new prime minister of Japan. Kishida ran for party leadership with a tough-on-China line, which scholars say could be good news for Taiwan. He even has family links with Taiwan dating back to the 19th century. In this photo from 1994, a young Kishida Fumio stands beside former Taiwanese President Li Denghui during a trip to Taiwan. At this point, Kishida was already a member of Japan's House of Representatives and an officer of the LDP's youth wing, but his links to Taiwan stretch all the way back to 1895. This elegant old building in Jilong was once a cafe and Japanese clothing store run by Kishida's great-grandfather, Ikutara Kishida. Details like the name of the cafe can still be found on colonial-era maps of the city. 
His great-grandfather and great-uncle ran a shop here and lived here for four or five years, creating a link between Taiwan and Japan. Kishida is now 64. He was carefully cultivated as a successor by former Prime Minister Abe Shinzo. He previously served as Japan's foreign minister in 2017. When China protested a visit to Taiwan by Japan's Minister for Internal Affairs, he made this statement. For us to make a visit to Taiwan to promote local tourism is by no means a violation of our nation's basic policy towards Taiwan. Kishida's public demeanor is gentle, but he has many years' experience in diplomatic negotiations. Once considered soft on China, he revealed a tougher side in the leadership race, promising to be firm with China, cultivate links with the U.S., and protect Taiwan. Observers say that was a major factor in his win. All the countries involved should do their utmost to resolve the Taiwan issue peacefully. If there is an issue, we must respect peace and security laws, handling it with appropriate caution. Kishida also promised to hire a new prime ministerial advisor to handle human rights issues, and in particular, Beijing's human rights violations. That didn't go down well with Beijing. China has realized that Kishida has a very concrete and clear position. He used to be the foreign minister, and China has had dealings with him for years. I think all these things have reminded China that the Kishida administration will want to go in the correct direction. This international relations scholar says Japanese public opinion is pro-Taiwan. That, plus Kishida's clear stance toward China, could bode well for Japan-Taiwan relations in the future. A handful of universities resumed in-person instruction on Monday after several weeks of conducting remote teaching only. All schools must comply with classroom capacity limits and other CECC reopening guidelines. One Taipei College is taking it slow, bringing back only half of its students for physical lessons each week. It's the first day back at Takmin University of Science and Technology. To meet the CECC's 80-person capacity limit for indoor spaces, the school has reopened in a hybrid format, with students alternating between physical and virtual classes on a weekly basis. Some of the more hands-on coursework still needs to be conducted in classrooms. That's the only way you can ask the teacher questions. Because teachers might not be able to, in a virtual class, they might not be able to look after so many students at one time. But physical and virtual classes each have their advantages, let's say that. Every COVID precaution is in place. At the entrance of the building, students pass through a gate that disinfects them from head to toe. Inside this classroom, the students are seated apart. At the end of each lecture, the class president photographs the seating arrangement and sends it to the administrators for their records. Each desk is fitted with partitions for eating. Over at the dorms, all students must test negative for COVID before moving in. There are also regulations on physical education classes. If it is an outdoor lesson that requires no physical contact, then basically this lesson can go ahead but other lessons will need to be conducted remotely. At the moment, we're having students attend remote classes every other week, based on whether the roll number is odd or even. We will stay within the parameters of the CECC's regulations. In physical classes, it's easier to interact with the teacher. Students say they're eager to get back in the classroom. Across Taiwan, many campuses are starting to bring back physical lessons. 
On Monday, classes were held in person at Shixing University, Zhongzhen University, Chinese Culture University, and the Taipei City University of Science and Technology. Next Tuesday, physical classes are set to resume at National Taiwan University, National Taiwan Normal University, and National Taiwan University of Science and Technology. Staggered seating and capacity limits must be imposed inside classrooms. The CECC will adjust its rules on a rolling basis to ensure safety as education continues in a pandemic. National Day is less than a week away. On Monday, organizers unveiled the uniforms that ushers will wear at the presidential office. This year's ensemble is by Taiwanese designer Apu John. It features a fresh color palette and fabulous shoes by beloved local brands. Let's take a look. This year's National Day ushers step onto the stage, modeling the uniforms they'll be wearing on the big day. The designs were commissioned by the General Association of Chinese Culture. They're by renowned Taiwanese fashion designer Apu Jan. Gone are the vibrant red cheapals of the past. This time, the women will wear plum dresses with digital printing. The blocks and stripes on the dress are kind of like the tracks of time, the passing of time, the steeping that happens with time. After all, National Day is like a birthday, and birthdays mark the passing of another year. It's always a time to reflect on what the year has brought to us and what it's left us with. The hope is that these stories and these things that are staying with us can show on the dresses. A highlight of the ensembles is the shoes, which were designed and custom-made by local shoemakers Asso and Bonjour. Their delicate classic appearance does not come at the expense of comfort allowing ushers to be at the top of their game on National Day. For this special occasion, we hope to integrate Taiwan's thriving design sector and our industrial strength. For future National Day ceremonies, or for other special national moments, the General Association of Chinese Culture will continue to connect Taiwan's great designers with great firms so that Taiwan designers and manufacturers can become a powerful force for Taiwan. The ushers' uniforms represent Taiwan design and manufacturing. They're a step from tradition toward internationalization. Organizers say they highlight the theme of this year's event democratic alliances, and international friendships. A choir of amateur indigenous singers will grace the National Day celebrations next week after their pandemic recording went viral this summer. The National Day Committee has invited the 50 singers from the online project to gather in person and perform President Tsai Ing-wen on October 10th. 50 amateur singers from 16 indigenous tribes come together to sing the pandemic anthem hand in hand. The sound of a choir is soothing after all the disconnection of the pandemic. In just three months, this song racked up hundreds of thousands of views online. Most of the singers recorded themselves with normal headphones, and the project was completed in just two weeks. It made such an impression on the organizing committee of this year's National Day, they invited the choir to the official celebrations to perform in front of President Tsai and Taiwanese and foreign dignitaries. Normally, there's only one group representing the praise segment, so I think it's awesome for indigenous people to take that on, because it's very rare that we can get 16 tribes all together. Organizers of the hand-in-hand -hand recording were stunned and delighted to be invited to the National Day event. They'll also perform traditional indigenous songs and dances.
Because of the pandemic, it's been a really hard time for Taiwan the last two years. So we're praying for blessings, so we'll open with ancient songs as well as prayers. The National Day event will be graced by 50 amateur singers from indigenous tribes all across Taiwan, performing hand-in-hand hand, as well as other tunes to wish Taiwan a blessed year ahead. Inspiring students is the big job of teachers everywhere. When kids aren't interested in learning, it's an even bigger task. One elementary principal in Hualien has found an innovative way to inspire the kids in his care. At Tongda Elementary, pupils who work hard get to try their luck on a claw machine, and teachers say it's inspired lots of extra study sessions. Kids are wrapped with attention as they try to pick up toys with the claw. Once it's in the claw, taking it to the window is even harder, but when they win, it's party time. Then it's time for the next friend to try their luck. Free toys are easier to catch, they told us. But where can you get toys for free? At the principal's office, that's where. Here at Chongde Elementary, the big cities are far off and money is tight. Many people struggle to see the point of school. Principal Xie is constantly working to inspire children in their studies, and the claw machine is just his latest brainchild. He bought it for a friend for $6,000 and filled it with toys paid out of his own pocket. Teachers at the school know that if kids do well in tests or otherwise do good work, they should get a recommendation to head to the principal's office and take a free try at the machine. I realized that some kids at Chongde Elementary lack passion and motivation in their studies. So then I discussed it with all the class teachers to see if we could use the claw machine as a temptation to inspire their motivation to learn. Recently, the kids have been really interested in memorizing English words and sentences, and especially memorizing some bits from textbooks. The principal says that children even go to their teachers begging for extra homework so they can learn something new and then try out for a new toy too.